0: Dear Lord, we thank You for this great time to celebrate You, to worship You, and to remember You. And Lord, I pray that this morning You would open the eyes of our hearts, that You'd give us ears to hear, that we might receive from You. Lord, I pray if there's anyone that does not know You, that they would come to know You by the power of Your Spirit before this day is over, so that You might receive the glory. And Lord, we ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. This morning, if I were to title this sermon, it might be Jesus 101. There are many messages that we hear this time of year about the purpose of Christmas, the reason of Christmas, and even not so much the ones that are verbalized, but the ones In fact, that we personify and certainly Christmas is a time that people who don't even know Christ uh, certainly participate in. They may be of another religion or maybe not even a faith or a belief in the existence of God. But yet it's a time where most people participate on some level with what they deem is the meaning of Christmas. Well, for the believer, and for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, then we know that it all goes back to Jesus. It all centers around the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you this morning that when we say Jesus, we are saying God. We believe that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when I say Father, I am making a reference to God. When I say Jesus... I'm making a reference to God. And when I say Holy Spirit, I'm making a reference to God Almighty. So that's why we say God in the flesh, Jesus came and was born as a baby, lived a perfect, sinless life, and then, of course, willingly and obediently to the Father, died upon a cross. His death, His burial, and resurrection is the reason that we are here today so i want to make sure we understand as believers in christ and maybe you are here today and you're seeking to know more about christ understand the message of jesus christ i want to answer a couple of simple questions who he was what he did and how i experience him today there was a study by the harris poll not too long ago back in 2008 that did a poll for evangelicals, those who called themselves Christians. And they found this. They found that more people knew this. To all all-beef patties, special sauce, less cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. More people knew that, the ingredients to the Big Mac, than they did five of the Ten Commandments. More people could quote that than they could quote any verse of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? I mean... I don't even eat Big Macs anymore, and I still remember that. You know what I mean? And the truth of it is, is that jingle has lodged in a lot of our, our heads and our minds. But here's a great question. How much Scripture is ingrained in our minds? I want to read Scripture to you today because I think it is the best method of us understanding who Jesus is, and certainly uh, we could go on for a long time listing the attributes of Jesus, but let's talk about who He is. What the Word of God tells us in regards to who Jesus is. First of all, we know that, uh, as Tommy read earlier from the book of Mark, that those who follow Jesus, particularly Peter in this instance, believe that He was the Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who had come to save The people of the nations. And we have a fuller understanding today that not only did He come to save, so to speak, the nation of Israel, but He came to save all mankind. He came to atone, to cover the sins of the world for all who would ask and receive of His grace and forgiveness. But also we know this, that He is the Creator. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1... Through him, all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made. Colossians 1 tells us for by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things in all things. And in Him all things hold together. He is the first and last. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning. He was here in the beginning. And He will be here till the end. The book of Revelation tells us, When I saw Him, I fell at His feet as though dead. Then He placed His right hand upon me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Revelation 2 tells us, To the angel of the church of Smyrna, These are the words of Him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. In Revelation 22, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. The term I am, which is directly from the book of Exodus, When God was speaking to Moses and he told Moses, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to release my children. I want you to go and tell the nation of Israel that I'm going to give them a new land, a new home, a new place. And what did he say? Moses said, who shall I tell them has sent me? And God says, tell them I am. That's a full and rich word. But we can understand, I am, I am the God. And Jesus takes that reference in John chapter 8, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not know, do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. In John chapter 8, verse 58, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am John chapter 13, I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Jesus is also our judge in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead in view of his appearing in kingdom. I give you this charge in second Corinthians five for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Jesus is our king in Matthew 2. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? As they saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Luke chapter 23. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of Jews? Yes, It is as you say, Jesus replied, he is the light of the world. John chapter 8 tells us when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. Luke chapter 2, a light of revelation to the Gentiles for glory to you, to your people, Israel. Jesus is our spiritual rock, according to 1 Corinthians 10, for they drank from the spiritual rock, again making reference to the Exodus period. He drank from the spiritual rock that had come to them. That was Christ. And then He is the Good Shepherd, John chapter 10. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for His sheep may the god of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our lord jesus that shepherd of the sheep and of course most of all he is our savior in john 4:42 and incidentally i have hard copies back there for anybody who would like them as you leave they said to the woman we no longer believe what you said, just because it's what you said, now we have heard for ourselves. We know that this man really is the Savior of the world. In First John, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. What the Bible tells us about Jesus, who He is, but the Bible doesn't stop there. It also tells us what He came to do. The Bible tells us He came to reveal the Father. All things have been committed to Me by My Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. He came to be a ransom for many. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He came to serve And to give His life. He came to preach the good news of the kingdom. I must preach the good news of the kingdom to the towns also. Because that is why I was sent. To do the will of the Father. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will. But to do the will of Him who sent me. To give the Father's words. For I gave them the words you gave me. And they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me to testify to the truth. You are, are a king, then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born, for I came into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. He came to dis destroy and to to die and to destroy Satan's power since the children have flesh and blood. He, too, shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds power over death. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He came to give life. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it abundantly to taste of death for everyone. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, not crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by grace of God, he might taste of death for everyone. He came to be the high priest and atone for our sins. For this reason... He had to be made like brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. He came to proclaim freedom for believers. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. He came to proclaim the favor of the Lord. He came to take away sin, but you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. He came to preach. Jesus replied, let us go elsewhere to the nearby villages so that I can preach. That is why I have come. He came to call sinners to repentance. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And he came to save the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what Jesus came to do. That's who He is. And that's what He came to do. So the question becomes, how do I experience Him today? Well, of course, we understand that we must first recognize that we are sinners and that we are in need of His grace and forgiveness. Invite Him to come in, confess Him as Lord, and receive His grace and forgiveness. But for those who have done it, what are the basic elements that we must apply to our lives, to experience God on a daily basis. Of course, of course, that goes without saying prayer is an essential element. But the Bible also tells us that Jesus was the Word. The Word made flesh. And for us not to consume of the Word, for us not to let the Word of God penetrate our life, is like ignoring our need for water. You know, the human body is consist of almost 75% water to begin with. And by the time you're 70 years old, you will have consumed one and a half million gallons of waters. Studies also show that water, uh, increasing water can decrease fat deposits, uh, that it also is a natural appetite suppressant. If you lose 2% of your water supply, you will lose 20% of your energy. A 10% decrease in your water supply and you would be unable to walk a 20% decrease in your water supply in your physical body means death. If the word is a, the spiritual element that God has given for us to connect with him and to experience with him, that is an imperative that we experience it. And I want to give you uh, about 20 different ways that you can experience the word of God today. First of all, understanding and surveying the Bible in the hard copy that we have back there for you. It gives you a little brief survey of creation, the fall of sin, of God's redemption plan. A little understanding of the whole story so that you have perspective and contextualization when you read Scripture. You know, today we live in a world where. Uh, we have been afforded the great opportunities of not just having the word of God in written form, but we can literally listen to it on CD or MP3. We have the opportunity to hear the word of God and let it penetrate our minds. I encourage you to take advantage of that. That's another way that we can experience Jesus today, as well as reading silently and taking time to read God's word Each day, reading aloud, letting your own voice be heard as you read out loud the scriptures is a very meaningful exercise. If you remember in Acts chapter eight, that's exactly what the Ethiopian eunuch was doing when when he was heard by Philip. Philip heard him reading the scriptures out loud for most of us. uh, We don't just learn looking or visually, but we learn visually. We learn audibly and certainly we earn, we learn in multiple different types of ways, but physically in the sense of visually and audibly are two imperatives that I think we must be willing to participate in to really understand and really to know Jesus in his fullness publicly. That's why Tommy read Scripture earlier. As we hear Scripture read, as we resonate with the words that are being spoken, discussing Scripture... As you leave home, particularly if we as parents, need to be encouraging our kids and asking them what they learned. Do you remember any Scripture passage? Do you remember what was talked about? Was there anything that spoke to your heart this morning? Another exercise that's been good for me, and, and I do it really more out of necessity, but it's really helped me in learning and memorizing Scripture, is simply copying Scripture. Sometimes by hand or even by typing it out. Yet another way that we learn, Uh, we learn visually, audibly, but when we write, uh, there's another part of our mind that kicks in and helps us again to receive and to remember Scripture. Certainly there is study when we sit on the study, and what I mean by that is, what do we observe this passage is saying? And how can we interpret this? And how can we apply this to our lives? Uh, one of the ways that I think it's important for us to do that is through cross-referencing. And most every Bible today has cross-references. In other words, if we look up a certain passage, uh, we can see cross-references so that we don't take Scripture out of context. We can see where it's used in other places in Scripture and how it's used, and how uh, who spoke, who was speaking, and who was receiving. Uh, also, to stress the words, this is really a, a great little exercise. For example, if I was going to take romans three twenty three for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as I begin to bring emphasis as I begin to speak clearly and stress the words of scripture, highlighting and underlining scriptures that when God speaks to us and when we hear things that we didn't know so that we can make a reference in our scriptures, paraphrasing there, you know, there's a great uh, there's a great Bible out now. Many of you remember the living Bible when it came out and it was a paraphrase, really the the first one that was really kind of mass produced. There were other paraphrases, but it was kind of the, the big one that came out. There's now one out called The Message by Eugene Peterson, and he is a first rate, top notch uh, Greek and Hebrew scholar and has really done the whole Bible now. But it's great because it's in our language of today and it just reads like a story and it helps you. And I, I encourage you to maybe have that as a companion uh, to your regular Bible. Memorizing Scripture. You know, we have Bible drill here for our children. But what about uh, us as adults? Are we continuing to memorize Scripture? You might say, oh, that's hard for me. That's hard to memorize Scripture. I want to give you a little something you can do. If you just want to take one, two, or three verses that are in context, uh, here's a great way to memorize them. If you would commit to three minutes a day for three weeks, you can memorize Scripture, okay, in a very simple way. Here's what you do. In the morning, read that passage three times. In the evening, read that passage three times. And if you'll do that for three weeks, you'll know it. Now, if you're really slow, you may miss a word or two, but you'll know more Scripture than when you started, okay? And it's very simple. We all have three minutes in our day that we could Take Really, it's a minute and a half in the morning and a minute and a half in the night. You know what I mean? We have, we're have we in a daze more than that most mornings, okay? So I, I would encourage you to consider uh, setting that as a priority. Number two, recite it. When you learn Scripture, begin to quote it out loud. Quote it out loud in your car and, and in different instances. Personalize it. Personalize it. For God so loved John. For God so loved Susan. For God so loved Karen, for God so loved me as I personalize that scripture, singing scripture. We live in a day and age where a lot of scripture has been put to music. Now, some of the songs that we will sing here as we lead in worship are directly from scripture, helping it to infiltrate our mind and putting it within our hearts. Displaying scripture in your home, in your office. In your car, there's another way to memorize it. We have scriptures uh, over both our children's beds that they see each night. And, uh, and I try to get my son to quote every night. Matter of fact, guess what it is? Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. and May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance fall upon you and, and, and grant you peace. By the time he was four years old, he had memorized that because we just did it every night. It was up there. And he was like, I can do it with my eyes closed. I can do it backwards. And And you know why? Because it was there. Now, does he understand every word? No. But he has that scripture lodged in his heart. At some point we need to paint over that and do another one. But nevertheless, sharing scripture with others. When you learn a scripture or a scripture is meaningful with you, beginning to share that or email that or write it out and give it to someone. Here's a verse for you. How meaningful to share the word of God and to teach the word of God. You know, we always have opportunities in our preschool and our children. Uh, We have several who are being baptized today, a couple who have come to Christ and uh, will follow in discipleship. If you would like to participate in discipling those who've become believers, we would love to give you that opportunity through training and through your commitment and participation. And then, last of all, doing the Word of God. James chapter 1 tells us to be doers of the Word, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Uh, Jesus says, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is like the one who built his house upon the rock. So my question to you, are you going to be a doer of the word or simply a hearer of the word? Now, we have a, a couple of things that we're going to try to do in this next year that I want to invite you uh, to participate in. But first of all, I want to ask you a question. Do you know Christ? Have you received his grace and forgiveness? Number two, are you spending time with him devotionally in prayer and scripture? number three, how are you going to do the word? We're going to, uh, over the next five years, beginning this next year, we're going to start trying to sponsor a thousand children, a thousand orphans around the world and locally. We want to invite you to participate. We're going to try to accomplish 10,000 outside impact hours in in our community and 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 around the world outside of what we do on church on Sunday morning. And then we're asking God if there's a dream or a vision he's put in your heart for for a mission, for a ministry, we want you to come share that with us. We're not going to be able to do all of them, but we've budgeted a little bit of money for a, a mission, a ministry that can include multiple people through our congregation. Begin to pray how God will use you. How will you give Jesus this season? How will you give Jesus to those you love? How will you let the light of Christ shine this next year in 2010? Father, thank You for that the reason not just for this season, but for our very existence here on earth is to know You. And to bring you glory. Lord I pray if there's one that doesn't know you today. That you would draw them by the power of your spirit. Lord I pray for those who have become complacent. In their faith. That today you would stir them. That we would remember Lord who you are. What you've done. And how we can experience you today as followers of Christ. So Lord if there's one that needs to come today, I pray that you would draw them at this time. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for all that you do. Amen.